Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Through Their Eyes, our special series featuring Utah teenagers discussing current events on Utah's Morning News with Tim and Amanda. It is a pleasure this week to welcome to the program three young people from Juan Diego High School. I have Hank, Andrea, and Paula with me. Welcome, welcome to Hi, all three you. of you. Thank you. Thank you. It is a delight to to meet the three of you and to uh, pose a number of very interesting topics this week. We have some doozies for the three for of sure. you. I, I know that the first one that we're starting with, I want to give this disclaimer, because we are talking about this on Tuesday and this won't air on uh, broadcast until Thursday and in podcast form until Thursday. And people may be listening after the fact. Um, but much will have happened between the time we're discussing it and the time that people listen. So with that caveat, I want to ask you how you see, and I guess I'll start with you, Hank. I want to ask how you see the impeachment process. What is your interest level? Uh, how do you see it? Discuss it in any way you like. All right. Um, my interest level, I guess, to begin with is moderately high, like six or seven out of 10. I think that it matters whether or not we believe Trump has committed serious offenses. But I believe that a lot of the political process has become mostly partisan and that I wish it had more of a feel of a criminal or a civil case instead of a political process of attempting to like suss out party lines. What do you mean by that? I believe that like, given how the vote worked in the House, how no Republicans ever swapped to vote for impeachment and very few Democrats swapped to vote against impeachment, that it like represents a very partisan issue. I think that's all right in a sense that like people have differing opinions, but it does represent like a lack of legality and not like a legalistic feel to it. Do you have an opinion about whether or not there ought to be uh, witnesses should we hear from witnesses whether or not the House heard from them directly? Should outside witnesses be allowed to testify? I mean, I think using the word that I just used, legalistic, in order to do that, that we need evidence and that we need a criminal or a civil process to take place. And so I'm hearing a yes. Yes, definitely. I mean, if they're relevant to the case, you would want to hear. Well, I mean, the testimony is what determines whether or not they're relevant. So if they're willing, then yes. Yeah. And then the the trier of fact would decide if they're relevant. Correct. Yes. Interesting. What do you say, Andrea? Yeah, I think I agree a lot with what Hank was saying, like the whole process and everything. I think I'll definitely be following it. I think it's a big thing that's going on right now, and I think more people should be following it, um, especially like with the elections coming up and everything. I think it's a big deal for the president right now. And on the witness thing, I think that there should be witnesses allowed in, like, the trial. I think it's an important factor, like, that has always occurred and that will should, like, occur in the future. Just so, like, it's, like, that one, like, part, and I think in a trial that has to happen for, like, the case to, like, keep going. And so we see, like, the different, like, perspectives on things. Hmm. What do you make, Andrea? Do you have an opinion about 
um, what we've learned that there will be these 12-hour uh, days during which, so, so the uh, prosecution side will have 12 hours, 12-hour days to put on their side, and then def- the defense of the president will have 12-hour days. So they'll have these long marathon days to put on their cases from, you know, beginning at 1 p.m. Eastern going till, you know, 1 in the morning. Does that say anything to you, or do you think, hey, if it, if it takes a long time, then, then they should knock it out? Yeah, I think it's actually a good thing for them to be that long. I think something so important like this needs to be that long, and I don't think it should even be like thought to be shorter than that, I think, especially for both sides. I think it becomes like this thing where it should take a long time, especially like like doing the case and like looking through everything. Um, with such like a big deal that it is, I think, although it is like super long, I think it has to be that long for a reason. Mm-hmm. What do you say, Paula? Uh, I agree, honestly, with a lot of what Hank and Andrea said. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, a lot about like how it should not be any long, or sorry, any shorter than twelve hours or anything. Uh, of the sorts, I definitely think that it's it should be a very tedious and uh, well thought out, well planned out process. Um, because uh, you know, at the end of the day, it is our country that is at stake, and what happens to it, and our future. Um, and so, you know, I definitely think that that is something that should be taken time with, and it is something that you know, should be well thought out and planned out. Yeah. Do you think that um, the Senate should hear from outside witnesses? Yes, I do. I do think so. I think, you know, uh, just as with any other trial, you know, there should be witnesses. It should be something that should be allowed. I don't particularly see why there shouldn't be um, any witnesses allowed. Uh, and I think that both shot excuse me, both sides should be able to use that to their advantage, not have either be scared or intimidated by it, but rather, yeah, use that to their advantage. Because I think that, you know, witnesses are very important and a very important aspect to all of it. Uh, Like I said, it should be a very meticulous thing, you know, so we should have as much evidence, I guess, as Hank said, as possible. If so many people are saying that the outcome of this is a foregone conclusion because of the number of Republicans in the Senate, that the president is so very unlikely to be convicted, then if you believe that, what mm-hmm. is the purpose of holding this trial, in your opinion? Anybody anybody can answer, but I guess I'll, I'll start with you, Paula. Yeah. Um, I think... Even if you do see it as a foregone conclusion, as you said, um, it's still, as I previously stated, you know, it is the fate of our country at the end of the day. I do think that it is something that we still have to go through, you know, going through the motions. We need to discuss what has happened and the accusations that have come up and all the evidence or the witnesses that are being brought forth. Uh, I just think that it's all, you know, the rules and everything are laid out as such for a reason, and we should continue with them. 
as you, such. You see yeah. value in in the process. Yes, I do. Hmm. Do, mm-hmm. do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, for, I think for the most part. Although I do think it probably is a foregone conclusion with if like, he probably won't be removed. But I think that the process in general is important to look at and why so many people like should look at it and why so many people have. Although many like like you said, although it probably is a foregone conclusion, I think the process itself is important to look at, like what Paula was saying, but also to like see like the president's actions and to evaluate evaluate them more than like previous things he has done. I think this one in, is important in general, especially because like it did like come to the to all of this. I think that it's important to like, actually see what is going on. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Um, I guess the value that I derive from the process of the trials is communication and consistent transparency where we should know and we should hear from all that can be said and all that can be determined. And even if it doesn't end up like even if we believe that like the process went the wrong way or decided incorrectly that like the people and the public can make that determination and they use that knowledge and information and opinion in the ballot box and like later on in their political choices Mm. Mm -hmm. it'll be and i'll I'll get off this topic after this last uh, follow-up question it'll be interesting to have a president of the united states possibly offer a state of the union address while an impeachment process i I suppose it's possible that it would be done by then but can you imagine won't that be a, a a unique thing Anybody want to comment yeah. on that? Yes, go ahead. I mean, you can imagine two different approaches. Either he ignores it completely and gives a State of the Union address as if, like, in isolation, or it infects the entirety of the State of the Union address. And, uh, well, I would I would think that the former would probably be better for the whole purpose of a State of the Union address, the high tensions, the emotions associated with potentially being removed from the, your office, probably mean that the latter is much more likely. And I think that will be to the detriment of the Union address in general, but that it's a necessary I guess not evil, but necessarily consequence of the process of impeachment being important, mm. an important one. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts mm-hmm. on that? Yeah, I agree with mostly what Hank was saying. It it can go either way. I think how most people I think will start looking at it though is the way that's like he just he's going he's like in the process of impeachment and things, but he's still saying this <coughs> like in like the state of union. So I think it's like a really big deal to like it's going to be a different perspective on. I think than any other like state of union we've ever had, which is going to be a different perspective for everyone in, in the country yeah. to like look at it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts at all? Paul? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not quite sure if he would actually give a state of the union address. You know, uh, Trump has been kind of dodgy about speaking to the public, you know, at all with the impeachment trial or just in general in these past few years. Um, you know, he's kind of stopped giving White House press releases and everything. So it's kind of iffy to, you know, say if we're certain or not that it's going to happen. But um, I think if it were to happen, it would probably not be by his decision, but some of his other, you know, uh, party members Mm. and such. Do you think he listens to them? Do you think he uh, takes advice from from other people in the party? I think he's told to listen to them. I'm not quite sure if he... You know how much he actually does, but I suppose none of us know for sure. Yeah, do we? yeah. I mean, we never know. <laughs> Interesting discussion of these yeah. topics. Thank you so much. I suppose much. just yeah. one last point. Yes, is that I think the State of the Union address offers a 
opportunity for the president to like save face and prove that lawmaking and business as usual, if there is any usual, can go on despite political controversy, and that he can pursue an agenda and his agenda and the things that are important to his base despite the like supposed like the despite the accusations against him. Like, I'm not sure if that's a necessarily a good thing that we can treat issues like that in isolation, or if it should have, or if it should all be interrelated. But it is a possibility, and it could be seen as like a mature move. Yes, I think so, and important for the country potentially. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I want to move on to a, this. Was interesting to me that Pew Research did this uh, questionnaire and asked people, um, "Do you think there are countries better to live in than the United States?" And they asked this question of people of all backgrounds, of all ages, and that people of your age group were more likely to answer yes to that question, if I read this study correctly. And I wonder, since I thought I'm going to have three people of your generation in studio, I want to know if you agree, Andrea. Do you believe there are countries better to live in than the United States? Yeah, I think that question is a big question. I don't think it's a yes-no type answer. I think that although the U.S. has a lot of like good things, I think it also has like a lot of bad things like along with it. And I think that I don't, I don't personally think the U.S. is like, like the top that everyone should live here. But I think that it is like a country that lots of people live here and lots of people do like like it here. I've lived here my whole life, so I think I can't really compare it to anything else. But with what、uh, my parents haven't, and I know that they like where they came from. They were from Mexico, and they have like we have gone back, and they like it still. So I think personally, I can't like say like I would rather go to a different country, but I want to definitely like look at different countries and see different things. But yeah. So you have an open mind on that question, but I I love that that you are saying I don't know is the answer to that sort of a you don't know what you don't know,、Correct. but with gratitude I hear gratitude in your heart、yes. as well. Interesting. What do you make of that question, Paula? Uh, just like Andrea, I think that's a pretty loaded question. Definitely not one you can answer with a simple yes or no.、Um, uh, again, I agree with her that the U.S. has a lot of issues as well as a lot of you know benefits,、uh, politically, socially, economically,、um, whatever. But you know, I think it's just whatever the angle that you're looking at it from. For example, if you were,、um, you know. A child of an immigrant family coming from, say, you know, the Middle East,、uh, fleeing from whatever, you know, obviously your perspective would be a lot more different on how you view the U.S. than somebody who was born and raised here in, say, like the Midwest,、um, just because of the different things that we're taught in school and how our parents talk to us about. Um, the world in general, and how you know how we should view things, and how we should treat others, and just the situations that we're born into. So I definitely do think that it depends. For me personally, I would say,、um, probably, yeah. I don't know. Just like Andrea, because you've not traveled, is that is that the reason you think? I mean, there are. I think there are many people in the United States who grow. Up and continue to believe in a form of American exceptionalism,、mm-hmm. that that this country is better than all others for a number of different reasons.、Um, 
right. then there are those who, who I think allow for the possibility or even believe that there are countries that are better than the United States for reasons A, B, C, and D. Mm-hmm. So where do you fall in there? I'm not, I'm not trying to pin you down. I guess, no, I'm tr- yeah, I, guess I am course. trying to pin you down. I'm trying to understand where, where you are in there. Um, Is it not knowing because you've not traveled? Or, or, and I guess I should have pinned you down a little bit more there too, Andrea. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm trying to understand. I would say um, I don't know, mainly because I haven't, I I guess it's because I haven't traveled, but mainly because I haven't lived a life differently than how I've lived it for most of my life, if that makes any sense. I like, think so. Yeah. Um, I Like I said, I think it's a lot about perspective. And so I would have to view, you know, my life through the eyes of somebody else who lives in a completely different uh, life and life situation than I do. Um, like I said, you know, it's completely different from somebody living or that was born and raised, for example, like in the Midwest or here in Utah, than a a refugee who is fleeing from domestic violence Mm -hmm. in Mexico or something like that. Mm. Uh, So on some aspects, I do think that the U.S. uh, is like, quote unquote, better, but I do think that it also has a lot of its own issues that can't be overlooked and should not be overlooked. Mm. What do you say? I guess to extrapolate from the research a little bit, I think that young people are probably more likely to think that the United States is not better than most other countries and like in one specific area, and that is education and education reform. I think that like coming from my own social location, like education is exorbitantly expensive and prohibitively elitist and etc and that like better emissions better quality schools are a big portion of what people our age and what people in my social position think is important and that if we look at that metric as like a definitive metric just for my social location would be we aren't the best country and the united states isn't the best place to live because governmental policies have opportunity costs and the choice to have the biggest military in the world is the choice not to have the best education in the world and etc and so we have made those choices and i think those matter to different people in different places but to me i think that the choices that we have made are not necessarily benefiting myself and now the people that i think are important and the values so, that i find important let, let me I, and my ignorance on this topic I, I think i have a general understanding of what you just said mm-hmm. so how does this play into that hank why do or do do students from foreign countries still come to our universities in the same way they did 40 years ago when I was a college student, or do they not? Um, I mean, and if they do, is higher education still the, the most attractive here in the United States, that it would attract students from foreign countries in the same way that it used to? I think that the attractive nature of higher education specifically is probably being diminished. Just like n- amount of money spent on public research and on university-based funding is dramatically lower in terms of percentage of DDP- GDP than it is in less like laissez-faire capitalist societies, more, ones that put more focus on governmental control of either the economy or the state or state-based schools. And that like the private industry of university education means that our tuition is moderately high, especially compared to other countries uh, and especially compared to our standard of living. But I think that United States connections and just the pure size of our university and the history of our universities mean that there will always be, or at least for a long time, there will be that attractive feature that people want to come to the United States to study just because like we have attracted the like we have attracted good professors and even if it is expensive that is the point is that like people from other countries 
like those that come already have the money to come. So mm-hmm. that is why. That is really interesting. I did not see that coming. I did not see education, but of course it would because that speaks to your generation. Any other thoughts on this topic? Really interesting. Um, yes. Any, anybody else want to say? No. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, I guess this is just going, you know, from one, one topic to another, but I was, I was just watching this the other night. Uh, there is, the, you know, these shows, these, uh, shows that honor performers. Um, and so the other night it was the SAG uh, Awards, I guess. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they announced the, the Oscar nominees. And my, my husband mm-hmm. and I are, are movie buffs. And so <laughs> we, we like to take a look at the list and say, oh, well, we haven't seen X and, and Y and Z. And so we like to go and try and see the movies that we've missed. Um, because the, sometimes the performances are extraordinary and they speak to us on, on some level that can lift the, the human spirit is, is how we've always looked at it. But are you interested, Paula, in um, movies? from these kinds of, of lists or performances? Have you seen any that speak to you? Uh, can I just ask in yeah, a general way? Ab- absolutely. Um, like, some of the uh, movies that have been nominated and some of the actors, actresses, and everything, the directors, I think that all of them deserve it. Um, I have seen the lists, or the lists, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm just super interested in film and everything and the oscars and you know and sometimes i do think that it's a bit you know a bit of a sham oh i wish that this other movie or this other director whatever got nominated for so and so but yeah i definitely am uh interested in a lot of it are you interested at all in the sundance film festival which i know gets underway yes absolutely do you go to see the movies at all it actually has been like a dream of mine to go and watch, but I've actually never been. I've not. So okay, this is embarrassing. I've lived here for, I don't even know, uh, since I was, uh, you know, 20 years old. I've never been to the Sundance Film Festival. Yeah, I see neither. the movies after the fact, of course, yeah. <laughs> but I've never actually gone and attended. We, okay, you and I have to make this uh, a goal yes, that we go to course. see. <laughs> what yes. about for you, Hank? Do you, do you enjoy um, the movies? I'm, I'm not a big movie goer or movie watcher, so I'm not exactly sure what the Oscars, what the list is and what movies are on it. But I think that like a process of democratically choosing what movie we think is good and what movie is good is probably a valuable thing, just generally speaking, from a place of ignorance. Do you uh, take any interest in the Sundance Film Festival? Um, not previously, no. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe this is the year we all get yeah. interested in. I, mean, I know. if you're, Are you interested in politics? Yeah, moderately. So. Um, Hillary Clinton is attending this year because she has some sort of a documentary that is is debuting. So, in case that's of any oh, interest yeah. to you, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, mm-hmm. I just heard about that uh, briefly. All right, mm-hmm. to tell me, Andre, do you have any interest in in movies in general? The Oscars? Yeah, and- I like movies a lot. I think I've seen a couple of them, but not definitely not a majority of them. I saw the I saw the list when they came out, and I was I, I was like sort of happy about it. But like Paul, what Paul was saying, I was like a little disappointed in it, like for the most part, I think. I'm not going to lie. I think previous years, I've, or the previous year, last year, I think I was more excited to watch them because I saw more of the movies. But this year, it's like because I haven't seen like a bunch of them, I was a little like, eh. And so I'll probably just wait till after whoever wins like the big ones. I'll probably go see those ones or then <laughs> I'll see those ones to see what the hype is about. Did yeah. you see the Joker? Uh, that's the w- one of the ones I did see. Did you? Did you see the Joker? Yes. Did you of see the Joker? Course. I no. haven't. Did Did you like the Joker? You too? 
I liked it. Yeah. I thought I thought it was interesting, especially that ending when they show how it all kind of ties into the whole Batman story, his backstory of his parents dying and everything. Yeah. Uh, so the intense, yeah. the, the it was so played up as being hyper violent, um, but. In perhaps it, that wasn't perhaps that was more um, hyperbole in mm-hmm. the, than it, than I don't know what I'm trying to say. Did you enjoy? So you enjoyed that? Yeah, movie? at first I, I I was like a little skeptical to go watch it. Mm-hmm. I think, but afterwards I was like pretty satisfied with it. Mm-hmm. I just heard a lot of like mixed emotions before going. I think that a lot of people liked it and a lot of people just did not like it at all Mm -hmm. but i think it was pretty good i was like happy to see that it was on the oscar list because it was like the one i did see (laughs) so i'm excited to see how it does there yeah both as a movie and as uh for a performer for uh, him yeah of course all right let's uh let's continue this conversation coming up in a moment this is through their eyes on ks on his radio Joining me this week on Through Their Eyes here in studio, I have Hank and Andrea and Paula. I want to ask you uh, a question that I just thought was interesting. This isn't particularly newsy, although there are studies behind this. And that is um, this new study that shows that loneliness rivals smoking in shortening your life. I remember when I was your age, uh, and so I think about this with my own kids, friends were so important. Um, and so I think about how it, it's so important that we connect, that we feel seen, that, uh, I mean, that this is actually more important to our health than smoking freaks me out, that we, it's more important to our blood pressure, more important to our nervous system at your age and as we go through life, that we've have friendships that we maintain those friendships um i don't know did this speak to you paula at all i get yeah it did i mean i sense hesitance uh-huh. uh i just wasn't exactly sure how you know what perspective to view this from do i do i say what like I personally see that no, we're we're doing okay. Our, my generation does value friendship, or do I? Do I kind of see it through the other perspective of like, oh, we're so focused on social media and nowadays that do we even really value friendship? And so share whatever um, whatever comes to mind. I mean, do you <clears throat> feel? I guess I, I'd like your personal perspective, and you can mm-hmm. speak for your generation if you'd like. But do you feel a sense of connectedness? In friendship, in a healthy way, I guess, in your yourself, your generation. Yeah, I do. I think uh, we all value friendship. I mean, no matter what, even if social media is present or not 50 years ago or now, I think friendship is always something that, you know, is super important to us. Human beings are social social creatures and so it's not necessarily something that's going to go away i don't think so i don't see it going away um and i think that you know i personally and a lot of us do view friendship as something that uh is very vital to us and something that we all value a lot whether you know we have the biggest friend group ever or we just have a couple of close friends I think that it's something that's super important to us overall. Do you, do you know anybody who's sort of a, a a loner who thinks, you know, they're just, I'm, I do this on my own. 
And I mean, we all, I guess, have known people like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I've worried about that personality type from the time I was 12 until now. Because I think of that great, you know, no man is an island and right. tire of himself. That's true for all of us at your age, at my age, at any age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely have met some people that are like that. And I think deep down, you know, they don't necessarily want to, but it's just how they've uh, developed and it's kind of how they've taught themselves to be uh, in social situations or just on their own, you know. And there, I guess there's really nothing wrong with it. You no. Know, if you're if you prefer to be more of a, you know, secluded to yourself and just be doing your own thing, that's fine. Um, I don't necessarily see anything wrong with it, but I do think that, uh, you know, it also is important to have some friends. It's mm-hmm. just really however you feel and how you think, you know, what you personally need, I think yes. is what's most important. And knowing, knowing yourself and knowing what you want and what you need more than anything. Mm. And if you need to be alone and have a lot of alone time and you think that that's beneficial for you, then that, you know, let it be, you know. But uh, if you feel more comfortable being around other people and surrounding yourself with friends, then awesome. We are so different in that way, aren't we, Andrea? Each of us so different in how social or not we are. Please speak to this. Yeah, I think that like the whole idea of being lonely or like loneliness in general scares a lot of people and like I think in our generation scares a lot of people too I think because of like so many different factors that come into place like school social media and like different like just things that I think can come into place but I personally think like it just depends on like how you grew up and like where like the factors that came into place like just and how you were like raised I think is also a really big part of it um I think I've always been one to like want friends and like talk to people so I've and I've just always grown up like that since like preschool Mm -hmm. I think and um still to like now I think personally for me I like having friends and although I do have like moments where I'm like I'd rather just like be by myself like right now like just do my own things I think that that thing like that thing like scares a lot of people and although I think it's okay to like be alone sometimes and I think it's normal yes to like do that because to be alone is not the same thing as to be lonely correct correct I think that sometimes we just need to be alone like knowing that to like just for like us I think it's an important thing to do every now and then but like what you were saying, it's completely different from being lonely because although I like being alone sometimes, I'm definitely not lonely. And I think it just takes a big factor on where you are in life and like how you grew up in the different factors, like I said. And the whole idea of like importance of, of friends, I think, is just important. I think friends are a good thing to have like growing up with you especially when like when you get a lot older I think it's an important part of your life to like get those connections and have those people in your life that you can trust in like a different level Mm -hmm. and stuff to help us get through things how do you see this thing um I guess I can represent a more like introverted perspective so I found myself increasingly tired and worn out by like social situations and by like 
the loudness of being around lots of other people. And one of my news re- New Year's resolutions this year is to make my rest sustainable and to like protect the time that I have to myself to be like valuable and recuperative to like read and drink tea instead of I don't know whatever else I would be doing during that time and that like that's valuable to me and that that's okay for it to be valuable to me. I understand that because while my job is a very social thing, I am a little bit of a hermit in my personal life. (laughs) And that for me to be able to have energy, I need to have what you just described, this recuperative time. So how do you balance that with interactions with other human beings, particularly at your age? Or is this too personal of a question? I mean, I guess like school life and things that operate during the day are time for me to be out, to be alive, to be smiling and talking and et cetera. But like eight o'clock onwards, that's my time. Bravo. All right. Interesting. Um, Let me ask you now about, I'm going to skip and ask you about TikTok before we talk about White House (laughs) briefings. Um, First of all, let me just ask you, my son just asked me the other day, he's 13, can I have TikTok? I am not, I'm not as familiar with TikTok. I just, I know China owns TikTok. I, I know um, that TikTok was last year the most downloaded app, just surpassing uh, Facebook and and uh, Instagram. So tell me about TikTok in your own life. Is TikTok a cool thing? Um, I need to understand the power of TikTok, Hank. And is it is it has it surpassed Facebook and Instagram in your generation? Or help me understand. I might be the worst person to understand this. I haven't downloaded TikTok, and I don't really. I'm not really interested in social media in general. But like I've heard of TikTok. Obviously, it's a part of the culture of our school and a part of the culture of like my friend group. But I'm not sure exactly what it is or exactly what it represents. From my perspective, it's like YouTube or, or Snapchat where it gives you content, but it's more algorithmically based where like it starts you out on the algorithm. And so whatever you watch becomes what you watch in the future. And so I think that it's just like that part of social media that it's based on what you, what you want, what you view and like and stuff. And it's just taking that to its logical programming extreme. Oh, is my understanding I see. So are you into any social media of any kind? Um, I have Snapchat. But almost entirely just because people are on Snapchat who want to talk to me and they aren't like they either don't want to or don't have my number, et cetera, so they can't text me. So when I delete Snapchat or I'm not on Snapchat for a while, people actually like Where tell are me you? To get on. Yeah. Okay. So it's your communication device. Yes, it's a communication method. All right. So TikTok is not a big deal in your life. Is TikTok a big deal in your life, Andrea? <laughs> I This is none of my business. You can tell me, Amanda, this is none no, of your business. I really like tiktok i Why? think <laughs> well at first i was i just didn't have it i just recently got it like a couple months ago only because uh, like what hank was saying it's like a huge culture thing now what does that and mean it's like i think it's based on just so many people are talking about it you see it on other social media pa- platforms like it's just something that it's everyone talks about yes. it type thing. Everyone's talking about it. I guess I need to get TikTok because I've, I'm hearing everyone talk about it. Or am I too old for TikTok? Is it just for young people? No. I Absolutely. No. Really? Definitely, okay. It's like all ages. Like definitely. So what do you do on TikTok? Well, um, so at first I didn't want to get it and I thought it was just going to be a big waste of time and stuff. And like that was like the reason I didn't want it because so many of my friends were telling me they 
like were always on it and they were always laughing on it and stuff and I was like okay whatever and so I was like I'll just get it and so I got it and I understand now I think it's like just these videos like they can be funny videos or personally like my sister she dances and she loves watching like the dance ones and like she'll like recreate them and stuff and then you just like post them and like that's yeah and that's that so how is it different from youtube if it's all videos i think it's more like what hank was saying i think or i guess it's just the videos are a lot shorter like it's only a specific amount of time so like vine correct oh so it's more like vine okay i just need to download it and look at it yeah (laughs) and i think it's like really fun too i think i go on it whenever i'm like just bored and it like always brings up something funny and I'll always just send it to friends like videos I think of them or like we know we'll both laugh too or something okay yeah all right and (laughs) so it's something that you share internet medium too so you share a TikTok on a Facebook or you share a TikTok on an Instagram that kind of thing or no um I think you can do that for sure but I just probably I either just send it to them like direct message because like you can do that on tiktok okay is what i usually do or i will just save it onto my camera roll if it's that funny and i'll just like send it to people from there i gotcha all right what's your experience with tiktok if you would paul (laughs) tiktok is just such a weird phenomenon to me i don't i don't even know how i feel about it at this point i because like i do have a tiktok (laughs) i don't post anything on it it's mainly just to you know look at funny tiktoks or so it's an entertainment for you yeah pretty much um but i think that it's kind of interesting to see how you know it can not only be and like i know it sounds kind of strange to say but it tiktok can almost be kind of informational and educational how so there are some uh, oddly enough a lot of uh adults on there who are for example uh, MDs who post a lot of information for directed, targeted at teenagers on, you know, things that, oh, here's some answers to things that you're too scared to ask your pediatrician or your physician or whatever. Uh, that or is so like, interesting. Yeah, I know. It's very interesting. It's not just... And it's definitely something that I wasn't expecting to find on there. And sometimes it just pops up on your what's what's it called a for you page uh but it's just like a a lot of doctors and nurses on tiktok which i did not expect but it's kind of interesting to see it but on the other side it's like uh there's also just a lot of viral dancing videos and there's also a lot of like memes or you know type that type of content on there and so it's just interesting to see how much different uh, like a wide variety of content and everything that's on there and also how like you know like Hank said the algorithm of how it caters specifically to you and it tries to like there's sometimes the things pop up that's like uh you know something that's relatable to Utah teens and I'm like, oh, so once so you look at something it knows ah Paul is interested in this and then it will show it to you again right I see mm-hmm. okay that is fascinating please yes also, going back on what Paula just said, like the ed- educational type thing, I like found on my my for you page. It like was talking about AP classes, and like it was specifically it was this guy who was on TikTok who had just joined, and I had noticed him because it was a person that we watched in our 
AP US history class who was now on TikTok and actually just doing like little segments of like of the US history like AP test and how you should study for it and like what you should be doing and stuff so I ended up following him and he's really cool cuz like I see him both in our class and also on TikTok which is I think is really funny <laughs> That's and, interesting. Like, so does he do little informational history little minutes yeah, little history it's just like gives like real quick oh this is what you should do or like gives little snippets like the last thing he just did was like something about the industrial revolution you know you go where your audience is yeah i guess that's true all right we have we have a couple of minutes left and i just want to ask you quickly about whether you have an opinion about this that president trump is different in a number of, of of ways one of the ways that he is different is the way that he communicates with the american people he does not have the traditional white house briefing uh, in the way that we are used to in presidents past, you know, the, the, the press secretary doesn't go out into the briefing room, doesn't answer questions from the White House press pool. He tweets, as, as everyone knows, mm-hmm. uh, which many people wish that he would not because they're worried about the way that the, the, the material is conveyed or the actual material that is conveyed. I just wondered if you had an opinion about, uh, is it important that White House briefings continue or, sh- or is that not as big a deal as, you know, we who are too in, in the weeds, we report who are too in the weeds feel about it. Do you and your generation, do, do you have an opinion about that? I'll start with you, Andrea. Um, I think briefings are good. I think they should continue, especially because I think although Trump doesn't like the meat, like doesn't like all the press around him about, especially about like the impeachment going on, I think that knowing what they were talking about in the like whenever they have it is important to for the people so you don't get like too misconstrued things that you see on other platforms like the tweets and stuff like that you see from different people i think it's important for most people to have like that security and to know like okay this is what just happened especially compared to like a tweet you saw Mm -hmm. and even if you do believe in the tweets and like you do like look at them and stuff i think the briefings are also just like a secure thing that's like, oh, okay, this did happen or, oh, wait, that's not what I saw. So I think they are a good thing and they should be used more. So you trust the information you hear in the briefings more. It's like a, 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 the possibility for confirmation. I see. What do you think, Hank? Um, I guess I have two conflicting opinions here. The first is that I think Twitter offers a very fast response that the president can use and that like his respo- his like people can use as a discussion method and I think it can represent almost like a valve to release pressure so that like his opinions and like his emotions can be let out through Twitter which I don't think is an incredibly meaningful platform in terms of like affecting international relations and affecting um, like policy decisions and so if we can have politicians let out their emotions through that platform that's just like them yelling into the void basically then it might be better than them yelling at some press releasers who put it out in the newspaper and then everyone disseminates it but on the other hand, i think that the experts and that the like uh the education that press releases and they're like the people who ask those questions are trained to ask those questions and are given like knowledge and contextualization and the ability to like deep dive into things and that that is invaluable for like a society to be informed about the political process so i think that if there was some way to fuse those two stances where we can have a space for a quick release valve of pressure but also have a space for like reasoned discussion in depth thorough um, debate and analysis from like journalists in the field who are educated in this field and I think that like a big portion of this is like a 
distrust of experts and like Trump not wanting like people like journalists in there and rather having trusting his own beliefs and his own opinions. I think that's probably dangerous because we have institutions of education to like teach people to analyze political situations and to like represent those things. Mm. That's important. Interesting. What, What do you say, Paula? I think Hank was pretty spot on, uh, but I do certainly think that uh, White House press releases would be a bit more beneficial than tweets, you know, especially uh, with making sure that all of the information that Trump is trying to convey is accurate and not, you know, pure um, opinion or just emotions that he's letting out. And sure, well, I do think that it's, I guess, you know, important for him to be able to uh, you know, release his emotions. I don't think that, you know, as the president of the United States, I don't necessarily think that it's something that should be, you know, the only thing that he really talks about. Uh, or just making a lot of accusations, which is what I see that he does a lot on his Twitter. Um, and and honestly, it just gets to be so much that you don't really even take any importance to it. Uh, and then there's the occasional tweet where it's just like this. This, this means nothing. This makes absolutely no sense to me. And when in reality, he's actually trying to convey an important message that I guess we're supposed to know, but and we're supposed to be able to decipher what he's trying to say. But sometimes it's just so ridiculous seeing that, oh, Trump tweeted again, and I have absolutely no idea what this means. I guess I'm supposed to know, but I don't. And oh, well. I, yeah. <laughs> I guess I just prefer tri- Twitter fingers over trigger fingers. Like, I'd rather him let out emotions and poorly formed opinions in a space where policy decisions are being made than in a space where, like, there's a big red button or there's <laughs> security officials in the room. I, I hear what you're saying there. Mm. But wouldn't it be wonderful, I, is what I hear Paula saying, if we had press conferences so that they could, that, that, uh, whatever that thought was, we could go deeper into that thought. Is that what I hear you're saying? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Because like he just, he's just sometimes tweeting the most absurd things and I have no idea what it means. And then I ask, I ask somebody else, I'm like, oh, maybe I just don't understand this well. And they're like, yeah, I have, I have absolutely no idea what mm. that means. Like, or when he tweeted the photo of the American flag and it was apparently, you know, pretty much him declaring war uh against what was it iran yeah but like at the same time it wasn't and it i just was so confused (laughs) honestly some more information would Mm -hmm. be the three of you have been uh magnificent would you come back please and and see me again sometime and and do this again because this was just this was just wonderful i i hope you would a delight to have from a juan diego high school hank andrea and paula here on through their eyes and we'll see you next week